Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Well, every time I hear that song, American Pie, yes. I think of this tragedy, this incredible story. How did you get interested in it? You know, I was never a Buddy Holly fan. Um, it's just the strangest thing, the way I was drawn into this. My, my mother-in-law, who is just the, uh, was just the kindest, most wonderful woman you'd ever meet, uh, lived in Iowa, grew up in, in Waterloo. She, for her 75th birthday, said she wanted to go to the reenactment of the Winter Dance Party. Well, I thought the Winter Dance Party, knowing her age, must have been ballroom dancing, something <laughs> like that, and thought I should take some dance lessons. But I later found, on, found out that she was a, just a rabid Buddy Holly fan, and, and I didn't know it. And so we, uh, we went to the reenactment. It was a, uh, there was a performer by the name of John Mueller who travels with the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owns the rights now to the Winter Dance Party. And you know, I sat through the the evening, and it was it was great music, and you know, wonderfully performed. The Big Bopper was performed by the Big Bopper's real life son, and it was it was great and emotional. And uh, the performer that did Richie Valens was outstanding. And I, and John Mueller came out as Buddy Holly, and it was great. But nothing really tripped my trigger, excited me till at the very end of the show. John announced that he was about to sing a song called Hey Buddy that he had written. Uh-huh. And my first thought was, you know, are you going to ruin a beautiful night and interject something that <laughs> you've written? And the song was so haunting and captivating. When it ended, my wife looked over at me and she saw a tear running down my face. She said, what happened? What's wrong? And I said, I don't know. And, you know, from that moment on, I was just uh, almost on an obsession to learn more about Buddy Holly, learn more about... And I determined that I wasn't going to write about the crash. I thought there's enough written about that. I just want to write about, um, you know, who Buddy Holly was, try to find stories that people hadn't written about. But uh, I ended up speaking to Barb Dwyer, who was the wife of Jerry Dwyer, the man who owned the charter service. And uh, one sentence that she said to me uh, drew me to the crash and uh, in my analysis of it. I've got to tell you, it was uh, an incredible story. I was only nine when this thing all happened, uh, so I was way too young to really understand it. But later on, um, I I began to realize, you know, this was a huge story. And uh, I've seen pictures of the plane. It is so mangled. It's a, it's a wonder they all died because there's there's nothing left of this plane. And was it the big bopper? Was he the one who was like tossed thirty feet away from everybody else? Yeah, actually forty feet. Um, he was forty feet ahead of the plane, and uh, and and very scantily dressed. Most of his clothes had been removed, uh, which seems shocking that he would be so far away and be undressed. But crash investigators will tell you that it's, that it's not unusual. And uh, I actually worked with a crash investigator from the NTSB as we kind of recreated the crash. And he said that that's not surprising at all. Didn't they also find a handgun somewhere? They did. They did. Uh, they didn't find the handgun until uh, the spring. You know, it had snowed. It was snowing when the, when the crash occurred, and it snowed throughout the night. So as investigators... You know, arrived the, the the plane in the area was snow covered, 
And when they did the crash cleanup, uh, they didn't get all the debris. Well, farmer by the last name of Jewel was plowing the field uh, in the spring, saw a handgun. So he got out of it, got out of the, got out of his tractor, picked up the gun, looked at it, and for whatever reason, did the dumbest thing you should do. He pointed it up in the air, pulled the trigger, oh, and and it went off. And it went off. And so he uh, evidence. Yeah, and so he thought, well, okay, I'll take this to the uh, to the sheriff the next day, and he did. And the sheriff looked at it, and they found out from the serial number that it was uh, registered to Charles Harden Holly, which is Buddy's real name. And uh, that, and he recorded in the notes that it had been one shell fired. Beyond what he fired? No, just one. Just one. Just one. Uh, but he did not make a note that it was fired by the farmer. And so uh, a few years later, the newspapers got a hold of it. Um, made it sound like something happened in the plane. Made it happen like something. Well, not only that. A photographer claimed that uh, when he was taking pictures of the crash, that he found a bullet hole in the uh, in the back of the pilot seat, and that and it just became almost standard rock and roll wisdom at the time that that uh, Buddy had shot the pilot. Are you convinced at this point, Gary, that uh, what happened was pilot's error? I am convinced it's pilot's error. Yes. Um, it's, it's, you know, I, first of all, I'm a pilot, and I was also a, I, I spent uh, six years of my life as a charter operator, and so a lot of experience with pilots, a lot of experience in airplanes, and it is so crystal clear really what happened. Um, you have a 21-year-old pilot who was not instrument rated. And the weather was lousy. Red weather was awful. Was it was just off? They should never have flown that day. No, it, it, that's exactly right, and, it, and it's amazing. I uh, I actually received hate mail and uh, threatening mail. I received, Why? Well, <laughs> I, I took the position in in my book as as we kind of wrote this analysis that the one called "Hey, buddy." Yeah, that exactly. Part. And uh, that, that that it was pilot error, and and I we 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 lay out the exact you know every scenario of the crash, what happened, and. Uh, there is a there was a, through the years there has become a very strong um, I guess lobby I'd call it for Jerry Dwyer. Jerry is the uh, charter operator, and Jerry had spun before he passed away. He had spun out different theories uh, to kind of make uh, I guess excuses for the fact that he let that plane take off. Right. He he wanted to kind of take the load off himself. Yeah. And so you know when 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 he wrote the crash analysis. Uh, it obviously points to the fact that Jerry was the adult in the room. He owned the airplane. He employed the pilot. Uh, yet he put a 21-year-old, unqualified, inexperienced pilot who had a record of suffering, suffering from vertigo, uh, in the in the pilot seat of an overloaded uh, Bonanza, which had had which had, was having a lot of problems mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, you know the crash lasted five minutes. You know, my analysis was everybody was surprised that the that the plane crashed. I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, that it even took off. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's just uh, it it is a tragedy upon tragedy, and the greatest tragedy is the fact that uh, the operator actually let the plane go. And and you know, George, he knew. 
because the flight left uh, shortly after midnight, and he's a charter operator. He spent the whole day with the pilot, checking the weather, uh, checking the plane. He stayed, and it was record cold. It was, uh, by most counts, it was the wind chill was almost 30 below. And he Wicked. stayed out there with the plane, loaded the plane. Once the plane taxied off, he didn't leave and go home. He went up to the went you know went, went up to an observation area outside, watched the plane take off, and stood there until the plane was out of sight. Then went to the control tower and tried to contact the plane. And in all my years of operating a charter service, I never did that. You know, I had qualified pilots. Um, if I was at the airport, I'd help load the plane, you know, see it off, that kind of thing. But you know, you know. It was his action says that he was worried, that he was concerned, and uh, you know, before Jerry Dwyer got home and got to bed that night, uh, those those that plane was dead, was crashed. The the inhabitants of the plane were dead and in cold already out there in the snow. Tuesdays on the CW from the executive producer of The Vampire Diaries and the originals comes the incredible story about making contact. Get ready for the highly anticipated arrival of the new series Roswell, New Mexico, when Liz Ortega returns to her sleepy yet legendary hometown of Roswell. She's reunited with high school crush Max Evans, small town cop, with an extraordinary secret. Drawn together as if by some unseen force of attraction, Max reveals to Liz that he's an alien who fell to Earth during the infamous UFO crash of 1947. From another world, he and his brother and sister have lived their entire lives in secret, never telling a soul the truth about what they are or the mind-blowing powers they each possess. When Max's family finds out that he has broken their vow of secrecy, events are set in motion that will rock the entire town of Roswell to its core. Don't miss the unbelievable new series, Roswell, New Mexico, Tuesdays, only on The CW. Why so many conspiracy theories, Gary, about the crash? Well, you know uh, better than anyone that uh, certainly there are conspiracy theories of almost everything. Yes, anytime at any have, time. Yeah, any time that we have people of prominence, uh, our heroes especially, if they die a, you know, a tragic but explainable death, there's something encoded in our DNA that just doesn't want to believe that, That's doesn't right. want to accept that. Jim Morrison, still alive, things oh, like that. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. In fact, I was just uh, kind of going through my the, the book. I wrote the book uh, almost 10 years ago, so I was going through my notes this afternoon, and I, I was surprised, you know, as I remembered some of the so many of the theories that I never put into the book. But uh, one of them that's floating out there now, and it's all over the Internet, is that the, the crash was fake. The buddy didn't like his life, and... Uh, and reappeared a few years later as somebody else. That's interesting. Also, there was a theory about a bomb, right? Put yeah. in a plane? Yeah. There was a... Why would that pop up? Well, it, it, is, it, is, it is a fact that during that early time of rock and roll, uh, the organi organized crime, mafia, La Cosa Nostra, whatever, whatever you want to call it, they were really working hard to take over uh, the recording industry and these young, these, you know, these artists were almost all of them were teenagers. They didn't know better. They were signing contracts. They sh shouldn't have signed, mm -hmm. signed their life away. Uh, and they were pursuing Buddy pretty hard. The mob Buddy, was. Buddy was resisting. And Peggy Sue Gernon, who is the famed Peggy Sue of the two song, you know, hit songs. Peggy Buddy Sue, yep, that's right. Yeah, long time Buddy. 
Our right, friend Gary, Gary Busey played uh, the Buddy Holly in the Buddy Holly uh, story in 78, yeah. by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I remember him singing that song. And did an incredible job. Yeah, he did. He really he just, did. Just did an incredible job. But, uh, but Peggy Sue said that uh, Buddy had called her and talked to her about the fact that he was afraid, said, uh, said they were following the bus, they were, they were threatening him. And, the, and it's a plausible theory, but, but George, the, the thing that makes it very difficult uh, to believe that that's a Well, first of all, there was no... Well, i got to tell you, the wreckage looks like it got blown up. Well... I've never seen a plane more mangled in all my life. Oh, it, yeah, it, it ended up just being a ball of aluminum and wire. But, uh, but, the, but the crash investigators we worked with said, you know, there, there was absolutely no evidence of a bomb. And the plane, if the plane had, uh, there had been a bomb on board... The plane would have blown apart in the air in the, in the crash site. And pieces would have been everywhere. Right? It would have been everywhere. Yeah. And this was a very tight crash site. And the plane was almost totally in contact in, 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 in together, but mangled. Mangled. That's yeah. right. Exactly. It doesn't look like a plane. No, you, you would not know it as an airplane. In fact, uh, I'll tell you a story. And where were the bodies? In, in the rubble? The only body that was in, in the rubble was the pilot. In fact... They were looking for the pilot, and you know they, they found the plane uh, around nine o'clock in the morning, a little bit earlier. Not they far start. from the runway, right? No, five miles. Yeah. five miles out, out in a cornfield in uh, in Mason City, Iowa. And uh, when the investigators arrived, they found Buddy and Polly and Richie Valens were uh, maybe fifteen feet, ten feet from the airplane, mangled, and, uh, no doubt. And, oh, terribly mangled. In fact, I talked to had the pleasure just about six months ago, I got a phone call from the priest who was called to the site Jeez. and uh, oh had, had a conversation with him. And he just said that it was, uh, it was something he wished he wouldn't have seen. It oh, was just, God. Just, just awful. And it stuck, stuck in his head all these years. But, and then the Big Bopper was 40 feet out in front of the site. Had been, had been, but they couldn't find the pilot. And they were searching, scouring the field, looking everywhere for the pilot. And it wasn't until almost noon they realized he was rolled up in that ball of aluminum. All, all scrunched up. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, no wonder these conspiracy theories are popping up all over oh, the place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were, I mean, they were teen idols at the time, and and, the, and there had never been anything uh, in our memory quite like rock and roll, and the way it had captivated and, and seized the imagination of, of the young at the time. And uh, they just, uh, it was such a, Shocking death. It was. It just. It just couldn't be accepted. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.